Our gracious God, we thank you for the way, the way of the cross, the way in which Jesus walked for all of us. And I pray that as we continue our journey on the way toward Easter, through this Lenten season, that you would give us the strength and the courage to walk in the way that pleases you. Lord God, I thank you for your word, and I pray that you would speak your word into our hearts and our minds today. I pray you take my words and make them effective. Bless them and do things that none of us can do. Change people's lives, which only you can do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I'm going to begin by talking a little bit about the people in history who wouldn't take no for an answer. They kept knocking on the door of opportunity. And we were blessed this morning in the 9 o'clock service to have this whole section, front section filled with really smart students. So no pressure on you all because they got most of these answers right. So good luck. So if you know the answers to these things, shout out the answer. Help me out here. Now, I'm going to give you the, 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 the scenario and you give me the answer. She was dismissed from drama school with a note that said she was too shy and was wasting her time. You got nothing, do you? You got nothing. That's right. All right, let's try this one. You know, some of us older folks should have got that one, right? That was an old person question. Um, his first book was rejected by 27 publishers. <laughs> Y'all killing me here. Yeah. Who is it? There you go. See, these guys know. Good job. Give them a hand. Dr. Seuss. There you go. Turned down by Decca Recording Company, who said they didn't like their music and guitars were going to be a thing of the past. The Beatles. There you go. Y'all warming up now. It's getting good. Uh, cut from his high school basketball team, went home, locked himself in his room and cried. Michael Jordan. Played for the Tar Heels. Hope they get beat in the NCAA tournament. But anyway, all right. <laughs> Teacher told him he was too, too stupid to learn. Not me. Uh, he should go into a field where he might succeed based on his pleasant personality. Good guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Edison. That's a tough one. Thomas Edison. Fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas. Walt Disney, now you're getting it. His fiance died, failed in business twice. He had a nervous breakdown and was defeated in eight elections. Your 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. Now again, one of the things that all these people had in common was persistence. Persistence. I love this definition of persistence. Constant course of action in spite of difficulty and opposition. There are people in this room today who are making a huge impact on the world because of your persistence. In spite of difficulty, in spite of challenges, in spite of opposition. And today we want to talk about persistent prayer. Persistent prayer is one of the core values of our church. We believe in persistent prayer. We, in fact, we call ourselves a prayer-driven church. Now, what does that mean? It means that prayer is an important part of every worship experience, every gathering, and every decision we make as a church. As we built this building, we, we prayed over pretty much every inch of this building. You came in here before the floor was put down, many of you did, and wrote scriptures on the, on the, on the concrete 
And so underneath that floor, underneath your seats, are scriptures and prayers that our people prayed before we ever opened the doors. And one of the most persistent prayer ministries in our church, and I like to brag on them, is our men's prayer breakfast. And some of you here today attend the men's prayer breakfast. We meet at 645 on Friday mornings up in the old fellowship hall. It, uh, we've been meeting for 23 years. And we persistently pester God with requests that for him to bless ministry at this place. We, we pray for every weekend. We prayed for the message. We prayed for the teachers. We prayed for the choir. We prayed for the praise band. We prayed for you to show up. We pray for the cars that drive by the prayer breakfast. Maybe those people will be touched and stop in and see what God is doing in this place. We've, you know, we've persistently prayer walked our property. I love to tell the story. When we started prayer walking our property here, this church had about seven acres. And now with God's help, we have 70 acres. And, uh, you know, so our neighbors get nervous when our men go out and prayer walk, you know. Uh, man, they're out there doing that thing again. Uh, but being persistent in prayer. This weekend, we prayed for Chi Alpha on Friday. We prayed for Believe. We prayed for a hedge of protection around those students as they traveled. We prayed for the volunteers that would spend all those hours caring for those kids. You know, there's a special guy that attends our men's prayer breakfast. Um, he was, was at work and had a seizure and was taken to the hospital they found out through some exploratory surgery, he had a, a pretty large tumor on his brain. The next week on a Tuesday, he went in for uh, brain surgery to remove as much of the tumor as they could remove. And on Thursday that week, he got news that he had cancer. And he was dismissed and released from the hospital on Thursday afternoon. He lives about a mile or so from the church. And when I walked into prayer breakfast on Friday morning, Ray was there. And not only was Ray there, Ray had walked to prayer breakfast because he couldn't drive. And he continues to walk to prayer breakfast. And not only does that, last weekend in the snow, when some of you, I'm not going to name any names, <laughs> we're watching on live stream, right? Ray walked to church here so he could serve in the parking lot. Now that's persistence. That is having a passion for prayer and the things of God. I love Luke 11, that Jennifer read to you, it begins by saying, once Jesus was in, a, was in a certain place praying. Now we know that he's on the way to Jerusalem, but he's in this certain place and he's praying. And his disciples ask him, would you teach us how to pray? So Jesus gave them the Lord's prayer. We, we prayed it just a few minutes ago. And then I love what Luke goes on to say in verse five, then teaching them more about prayer. A lot of times we stop at the Lord's Prayer. It's a good prayer. It's a great prayer. Pray it every weekend in all of our services here. Many of you pray it during the week when you can't think of what to pray. It's a great prayer to pray. But Jesus says, then te or Luke says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking, 
You keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Jesus wants us to learn about shameless persistence when it comes to prayer. Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Some of the problems we have with prayer is we, we, we get tired of knocking. I shared with the men a story Friday morning about the pastor who moved into a neighborhood and his neighbor was a real handy guy, had all kinds of tools and all those, you know, anything you needed for a job, he had it. But the challenge is the neighbor really cussed a lot, had a really bad mouth. And so the pastor was trying to work with him a lot about his language and help him not to cuss so much. Well, one day the pastor had a tree he needed to cut down and he figured his neighbor had a chainsaw. So he went to the fence and asked his neighbor, could he borrow his chainsaw? And the neighbor said, sure. Now to get it cranked, you gotta, you gotta cuss it a little bit. You, know, you men that have a chainsaw know what I'm talking about here, right? And so he said, well, I can't do that. You know, I, I'm a pastor. I don't, I, don't, I don't do that and you shouldn't either. Well, good luck. <laughs> so the pastor, he pulled on that string and pulled on that string and pulled on that string and nothing, you know? So go back to the neighbor and says, if a man was going to say a few words, what would you suggest? <laughs> His neighbor said, you keep pulling on that string and they'll come to you. <laughs> so Jesus says, you got to keep on knocking. Don't stop. Keep on knocking. And he uses this story of a caring friend, a compassionate friend, a great host, and a grouchy, sleepy neighbor to teach the disciples about prayer. Because he wanted them to learn that along the way, when you begin to follow me, Jesus, and you begin to go toward the cross, and then you go and you start building the kingdom of God, and you start walking as a new Christian when you go to Lexington High School or uh, River Bluff High School or White Knoll or Gilbert, along the way, you're going to run into some difficulties. You're going to run into some disruptions. You're going to have some disappointments. You're going to encounter tribulation and trouble and and many of you beyond that have experienced that. You run head on into a disease, into a trouble, into a problem. And I'm here to tell you that the way of the cross requires audacious dependency on God. Audacious dependency on God. Because you can't make it without him. He, Jesus knew these disciples would not make it without him. Someone has said that prayer is our greatest blessing and sometimes our greatest failure goes on to say that 100% of the prayers that we don't pray don't get answered. 100% of the prayers that we don't pray don't get answered. So why don't we pray? Along the way, why don't we pray? Why do we, why do we not seek God's help along the way? Let me give you some suggestions why we don't ask God. As I've experienced as a pastor through the years, perhaps one of the things that maybe keeps you from praying and being persistent is I'm not sure he's listening. I'm not sure he's listening to me. I'm not sure he's paying attention. He's got a big world. He's got a lot of problems. I'm not sure he's listening. A couple weeks ago, I had a chance to take some of our staff on a leadership retreat up to the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center. What a marvelous place to uh, meet and to work and to pray and to... Uh, hallowed grounds, sitting around a table and knowing that perhaps Dr. Graham sat there and did planning, you know, it was really inspiring to me. 
And I came across a story that Billy Graham tells that happened during the Korean War that a Christian American soldier was standing guard at the edge of no man's land. As he stood watch, he was wondering if God was listening, if God was with him, and he started whistling, what a friend we have in Jesus. And then across the DMZ, he heard a North Korean soldier whistle back, what a friend we have in Jesus. In the silence, in the blackness of the night, in the bitter cold, he knew that God was listening. And sometimes that's how God responds to us, through a song, through a scripture, through a sermon, through someone, through a sign, through a sunrise, through a sunset. God is always listening. But maybe you don't pray along the way because you think that God doesn't care. That God doesn't care. I'm here to tell you this morning that God does care about you. That God loves you so much that he gave his only son to die on a cross for you. In the book of Psalms, David writes about his thoughts on prayer. And in the sixth chapter, he says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord will hear your cry for mercy. The Lord hears the cry of the brokenhearted. He came to set the captive free. He wants to touch your life. He cares about you. And maybe you don't pray because you don't think you'll get what you asked for. I'm not going to get what I asked for. Well, let me tell you that the reality is that sometimes the Lord says no to our prayers. But there's always a yes behind his no. There's always a yes behind his no. We may not understand it all the time. Maybe not until we get to ask him in heaven why he said no. But there's a yes behind his no. There's a purpose. Jesus, God's son, was wrestling with God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked his heavenly father, is there any way for this cup to pass from me? Is there any other way? And God said, no, this is the way of suffering. And Jesus said those words, famous words, what? Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. See, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He always has the best answer and the best timing and the best version of the answer you're hoping for. Now, there are times that Jesus certainly says, yes. Yes, I will forgive you, always forgive you. If you confess your sins, I will always forgive you. Yes, I will always be there for you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Those are all yeses from God you can count on. Maybe you're thinking, I don't pray because I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to ask. <laughs> You've come to the right place. Prayer is simply having a conversation with God, simply talking to God. I think I've shared with you before when I do premarital counseling, I love to close that first session or two, well, all the sessions, by asking the uh, young couple or man and woman to pray with each other. And sometimes I have the advantage of having a Myers-Briggs, so I know which one's the extrovert and which one's the introvert. So I usually ask the extrovert to go first because the introvert starts sweating, you know. But it's amazing to, to uh, hear them pray. And I, and I have to give them instructions sometimes because they've never prayed out loud with each other. And I would suggest just have a conversation with God. And I always love to sneak a peek, right? Whenever he's praying for the first time and 
She's listening. She's got her eyes closed. And, and every single time he prays, a smile comes across her face. Every single time. And I always ask the question, how'd that make you feel? That was really cool. I had never heard you pray before. And sometimes you see a tear come down the cheek. You see, we, we, we've got to just have a conversation with God. Just talk with him. And then maybe you don't pray because you think you can do it yourself. I got this. God, you can set this out. I got it. I can do it myself. I love what John Wesley said. He says, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. That's a strong statement. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. So I want to encourage you today, challenge you to stop listening to those voices that tell you not to pray. I love what Matthew West says. He says, these are lies that I've believed in for the very last time. God loves you. God cares about you. He's listening. He will answer your prayers according to what's best for you. He will meet your needs. So how do you ask God for what you need? How do you pray persistently? How, how do we live into this story? You know, I, I think the first thing I want to talk to you about is, is, is passion. You know, this man in Jesus' story had passion for his guest. This guest that showed up in the middle of the night, the man had no bread for him, no food for him, but he cared enough for him to go to his neighbor and say, hey, I need some bread. I've got a guest at my house. He needs something to eat. I need some help. And what, what he knows about prayer here is persistent prayer, effective prayer is praying for someone else. He's knocking on the door for someone else. And it's interesting here, you know, that Jesus uses uh, a man. I, I thought about this on the way out here. Uh, is that he uses a man. He doesn't use a woman because a, a, a mom, a woman is going to be, is, to me, is much more faithful, usually persistently in prayer. So men, the challenge is, for all of us, but men, I'm going to speak to you for a minute. We need to step up and pray. We need to step up praying uh, for our spouses, for our kids, for our grandkids, for our coworkers. We need, we, need to be, we need to have some passion about prayer. We need to have passion for other people. We need to love people enough to pray with them. We need to love people enough to pray for them. And when somebody tells you a problem, men, here's a challenge for you. I challenge my men's prayer breakfast all the time to this. When somebody uh, brings you a problem, don't say these words, I'll pray for you. Say this word, can I pray with you? Can I pray with you right now? I can't tell you the times I've sent text to people who let me know about a problem. I'll send a prayer and a text. I love leaving a prayer on a voice message so that way they get to keep it for a while, you know? But just pray with people, right? And, and, and have, have a passion enough for people to pray with people. You know, passion for people means I'm willing to be interrupted. I mean, I'm willing to be interrupted. This man was willing to be interrupted. He didn't complain about the guests coming late. He just was trying to get some bread, some food for him. I believe the interrupted become intercessors. The interrupted become intercessors. They pray for people because they have a passion for people. We prayed for Chi Alpha again this weekend. We, we, and, and people have been praying for them. And we pray for our students. We pray for all of our ministers. Because we have a passion for those people that God would change their lives. They would find new life in Christ. How would the world change? How would your world change if you had a passion that people come to know God? They would come to know Jesus. Do you have a passion? Do you have a prayer list? Do you have people that you're praying for to come to know Jesus? Are you passionate about people and their needs? Jesus says that's important. Then the next thing we see in this section of Scripture is this man was persistent. <laughs> he did not give up. 
He kept on. I love the Greek word for persistence. It's only used one time in the New Testament, and it means shamelessness, ignoring etiquette. What does that mean? Whatever it takes. You know, that's one of our core values at Mount Horeb, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And prayer should be about whatever it takes. I will pray as long as it takes. His desire and passion to take care of his guests was more important than his neighbor's desire for sleep. (laughs) He was willing to bother his neighbor because his passion and persistence was more important. You know, he says here, I don't have a thing. I believe that persistent prayer is often driven by desperation. When we get desperate, we persist in praying. Now, here's a key. I want you to hear this. That, that's vital. That's important to have desperation, to, to commit to persistence. But in doing that, begin to develop a prayer life that isn't driven by crisis. That, that you have a prayer life that isn't driven by crisis. Now, when crisis occurs, you go into full bore praying. But have that relationship with God in prayer so that when crisis comes, you're already connected. You're already in conversation. You're just continuing the conversation, perhaps with more persistence and more passion. A great uh, Norwegian Christian leader, O. Halsby, said this, that prayer is the utterance of the helpless. And until we are helpless, our prayers will not get beyond the roof. Helplessness, persistence. I love this study. Uh, Several people have, have, have used this study, talked about this study. I read about it in a Mark Batterson book. It's a study done by the Berlin's Elite Academy of Music. They did a study of, of, of violinists. And they divided the violinists into, into three groups. World-class soloists, good violinists, and those who were unlikely to play professionally. And all of them started playing around roughly the same age. And they practiced about the same amount of time until the age of eight. And that's when their practice habits changed. The researchers found that by the the age of 20, the average players had logged about 4,000 hours of practice time. The good violinist averaged about 8,000 hours of practice. The elite performer set the standard with 10,000 hours of practice by the time they were 20. Now, certainly there's some talent, some innate ability that comes with being a violinist. But what seems to be the the magic bullet is persistence and being willing to give the time and the effort to commit to excellence. And so psychologists uh, and, and, and even neurologists have done studies, and study after study shows that composers and basketball players and ice skaters and chess players and even master criminals If they would commit to at least 10,000 hours of practice, that's what it took to become an elite, world-class, even a criminal. To be a world-class criminal, 10,000 hours. To be a world-class violinist, 10,000 hours. It takes persistence. And I believe that prayer takes persistence. I think to become a world-class prayer, you got to stay at it. And you can't do it just when you got a problem. you got to do it day in and day out over and over again. It takes practice. It takes a a commitment, a discipline to be developed, a skill to be practiced. Now, we don't want to start keeping score and, well, I prayed X number of hours, but we need to know it takes persistence to pray effectively. And then the third thing we see with this man is he was incredibly patient. He kept on knocking. You know, 
Um, we got to keep on. We don't, we, sometimes we give up too soon. Patience, uh, trusting God to come through in his time. And here's a key in his way, trusting God to come through in his time and in his way, because his way is always better than our way. But while we keep knocking, it's not passive waiting. We just don't sit around and do nothing. The idea of waiting in scripture, I love this. Uh, I learned this getting ready for this. The idea of waiting in scripture refers to the process of making rope, especially heavy rope, the type of rope that was used to anchor ships or anchor boats. You know, that big rope, that rope you have to put on your shoulder to carry. And see, the, the fibers were braided through a process of stretching with weights, wetting the rope of seawater and drying it in the sun. And that process continued and continued, wetting, stretching, and drying, wetting, stretching, drying, till it got so strong that it could accomplish its purpose. There are times in our life that God makes us wait to stretch us, to grow us, so we can find the strength we need to do the job, the mission, the ministry that he wants us to accomplish. Then the fourth thing I see here in this story that Jesus tells is partnership. You got some passion, you got some persistence, you got patience, and you got a partnership. You see, Jesus is saying, when you have a need, seek out some help. Prayer initiates a partnership with God and what he's doing in the world, but prayer partnership involves others. You know, I encouraged our students this morning as they were sitting down here across the front to develop some prayer partnerships. You all commit to praying for each other. Pray again for each other. Pray with each other. We need prayer partnerships. One of the great blessings we have here, another great uh, prayer ministry, part of our core values is prayer warriors. Some of you are involved in prayer warriors and we've kind of tweaked the name a little bit. Uh, you, every time you get an email, you start praying. And we send out hundreds of emails every week to pray for certain situations. People start partnering together and praying for that, that whatever's going on. But also prayer warriors gather down at the front of the sanctuary and pray with people. Prayer warriors meet in this room over there in the prayer room and pray with people. And now we're expanding that ministry on March the 26th. Those prayer warriors are going to gather here on a Sunday after church and they're going to pray together, but then they're going to prayer walk the property. They're going to prayer walk the facilities and they're getting ready for Easter. And they're, and they're partying with God and saying, God, we want you to bless this place for Easter. Fill this place with these. It's going to be a record crowd here. Let, let's, let, let your word be preached. Let the music be phenomenal. Let people's lives be changed. It's a partnership with what God is doing. And we've got to be committed to that kind of partnership. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane again, where Jesus was anguishing, he invited his disciples to pray with them. What did they do? They slept. <laughs> they, they didn't, they weren't persistent. They didn't have a passion. Uh, they didn't have the patience. They certainly missed the chance to be in partnership with Jesus. They slept. And, and the reality is, I want you to hear this. There are some times that God has given you a passion for something and a burden for something to pray about, and, and others don't share your urgency. And others don't share your passion. And sometimes you might have to go it alone, but other times you might need to make some noise. <laughs> you, you may need to wake some people up and say, hey, we need to be praying for this. This is that important. You need to go knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, I need you to pray with me. This is important. This is, this is crucial. And I want to say a special thank, thanks to all those who partner with me in prayer. I could not do what I'm doing today. We could not be where we are today without the people that prayed for me and pray for our staff. I love Terry Teckle. He was here several times teaching us about prayer as a church. And he brought this card one year. And a little card says, have you prayed for your pastor today? 
And he passed those out throughout the congregation. And I, I need to get some more of those. Uh, but have you prayed for your pastor today? And people tell me over and over again, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Please don't stop. I always get a little anxious when one of our saints passes on into eternity because I know a prayer warrior has left the building. A prayer warrior has left the planet. And so somebody's got to step up because this person here, I was, man, I needed their prayers. We need you to pray for pastors at our church. We need you to pray for all of our staff at the church. You need to partner with us in prayer what God is doing. You need to pray for our lay leadership. In fact, in your program, I know in, in the prayer sheet, we have all kinds of concerns. We have uh, military people we're praying for. We have sick people we're praying for. But what, right in, and we have families we're praying for. But right in the middle of that prayer concern sheet is a listing of staff. Every week we put some staff in there. We put some lay leadership in there. Would you pray for those folks in our church that are leading, whether it's a staff person or a lay person or a pastor? We need those kinds of prayers. Now, Jesus goes on to say, this is what Jennifer read for us. Uh, and so I tell you, Jesus says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking and things will happen. What is ask? It means to call out to God in prayer. Simply call to God. Say, God, I'm asking. I'm asking for this to happen. I, I pray your will be done. And no request is too small. Seeking is what? Once you ask, when God shows you a path, you pursue the path. You seek the path. You ask and you seek the path. And then knocking is you take on the obstacle. Take it on. You know, go ahead and attack it. Take on the obstacle. I love what uh, St. Augustine said, the great Christian early third century theologian says, pray as if it depends on God and work as if it depends on you. Just both in. He also said, without him we cannot, without us he will not. You see, there's a balance between God's sovereignty and our responsibility. We need to get involved in our prayers. And we need to seek, we need to seek, we need to knock, we need to knock. If we need to move, we need to move. If we need to act, we need to act. Just don't pray and don't do anything. Put some feet on your prayers. We cannot. Jesus says, you can do nothing apart from me. He will not. James tells us that faith without works is dead. You've got to put some action into your prayers. And then finally this morning, we have a loving, loving Heavenly Father who loves to give good gifts to his children. At the end of this, near the end of this section, uh, Jesus says, you fathers, again, not you mothers, but you fathers. So dads, listen up. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Friends, we serve a good, good father. We sang a minute ago, a few minutes ago. It's a love so undeniable. It's a peace so unexplainable. You're a good, good father. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We have a good, good father. You know, I love being a dad. And through the years, I've tried to bring some good gifts to my kids uh, in different ways. Certainly during the holiday seasons or birthdays. But then just on some special occasions, let's do a gift. And uh, Aaron's here, so he can either give a thumbs up or thumbs down on that. But, uh, but you know, I'll tell you what's really fun is giving good gifts to my granddaughter. 
Maybe it's because I got more margin. I don't know, but I love giving good gifts to her. And uh, in fact, I gave her something, you know, a little Cersei a couple weeks ago. And she, you know, about, about 30 minutes later, I was sitting there with Lynn at the chair. And Harper Grace, five years old, came over and said to me, I leaned up against his, J. Paul, you're the best. You're the best. I said to Lynn, I said, you know, 40 years of marriage, you never said to me, you're the best. You know? <laughs> I said, this feels good to know I'm the best. You know, we need to say to God, the Father, God, you're the best. You're a good, good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. You know, the two things I want to lift up that God wants to give you more than anything else today is he wants to give you the gift of his Holy Spirit. He wants to pour out upon you his Holy Spirit. And with his Holy Spirit comes love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. The Holy Spirit of God washes your heart clean. Miss Bessie, my Sunday school teacher, when I was getting started in the church, never forget this. She says, you know, every day God has this great big bucket of love and he takes his Holy Spirit and he pours it in your heart and washes you clean every day. The Holy Spirit. Jesus says, the good Father wants to give you all the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you, if you, if you don't, if you'll ask for it, he'll give it to you. You know, again, all of us here have a portion of God's Spirit within us. But when you open your heart to God's goodness, he fills you with his spirit. But the second thing I want you to know that God wants to give you is eternal life. He wants to give you eternal life. What comes, again, through the relationship with Jesus. That Jesus died on a cross to forgive your sins, to give you eternal life. I was at the hospital yesterday with a family. And uh, the spouse is very critical. And I see you've been battling cancer for quite a while. And I said to her husband that God has given her two wonderful gifts. He's given her the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know you're praying for the healing and for her to get better, but know that God has given her the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit is doing things for her right now that nothing else can do. No doctor can do for her what God's Spirit can do for her. And secondly, God's given her the gift of eternal life. And that in eternal life, she's going to be healed of cancer and she will have it no more. And folks, a lot of times we pray for health and we pray for wealth. We pray for success. And God wants to give us his spirit. And God wants to give us eternal life. And we have those two things. All the other stuff is gravy. Make sure you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things we've had unto you. We have a God who always responds with righteousness. We have a God who, who wants us to come to him boldly. And, and if this sleepy, selfish neighbor would do what's right, how much more will God do what's right for you? See, in closing, let me just say this, that we have a great heavenly father who's chasing you. He has a passion for you. He won't give up on you. He has incredible patience. He's persistent. He's the hound of heaven that keeps chasing after you. And he partners with all kinds of ways to reach you. He got you here today. He's seeking to have a relationship with you. He loves you. And he wants to be in a daily walk with you, a daily conversation with you. He never gives up. You know, our prayer life begins when Jesus knocks on the door of our heart. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I sent the door and knock. I knock. And I keep knocking. And I keep knocking. If anyone will hear my voice, hear my knock, and open the door of their heart, I will come in and be with them. 
And then we enter this incredible journey, this incredible adventure where we have a conversation with God every day, throughout the day. So have you opened the door of your heart to the knock of Jesus? And if you do, your life will change. You'll receive God's forgiveness and God's grace, God's Holy Spirit, and eternal life. Doesn't get any better than that. Amen? Now may the grace of God fill you with his power. As we sing this song, Father God, come to the altar. I pray that you would move your people out to the altar, the front down here. We would kneel, we would pray. Maybe you've got somebody, a child you're praying for right now. Maybe you're praying for a neighbor, a spouse, a parent. Just would you come and pray to the altar? Would you, would you seek God's power and presence today? Would you persist? Would you ask God to give you a passion for someone who doesn't know Jesus? Would you move out today? Would you come to the altar to pray? And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.